This is WMNF Tampa. Here comes the sun. Here comes the sun. I say it's all right. Hello and welcome to the Sustainable Living Show on WMNF Tampa 88.5, where every Monday at 11, we bring you a conversation with local experts on sustainable issues. Today's guest is Catherine Hammer, and we're going to be talking about wild birds. Yay! Your hosts today are myself, Kenny Coogan, and the healthy Annie Ellis. <laughs> I am so happy to be back. It's just good to be alive, I swear. <laughs> Being sick for two weeks is no fun. Yes. Irene is taking your calls. She was quite busy last week with our excellent guests, and we hope you guys keep her busy. And Mr. Bill Grace is working the boards as well as about a, 20 other jobs for us. So thank you both <laughs> for being here on this Monday. Yeah, we can't do it without those guys. That is correct. Now, I met somebody a couple you weeks ago. met ago. somebody. <laughs> a couple of weeks ago, and they're on the line, Tracy, and she's from uh, Dunedin. And she has a Zero Waste Festival coming up on February 17th. Hello, oh, Tracy. Wow, I love Dunedin. That place is fantastic. Hi. Hello. Hi. So, uh, Tracy, we met a couple of weeks ago, and uh, I believe you are looking for people to vend at your Zero Waste Festival. Yeah, tell us about it. What's, what's up with it? Oh, that's correct. Okay, um, this festival is coming up in... In 2024, it's in February of 2024, we're really trying to get the best vendors out there right now. So um, the festival itself is celebrating our local Hope Spot. And if you guys are unaware of what that is, it's, um, it's an internationally recognized designation that shows that our waters are critical to the health of the whole ocean. And this, our Hope Spot extends from Apalachicola in the north down to 10,000 Islands. So it's a, it's a large Hope Spot, um, but it's you know, we're trying to spread the word about it because people can utilize the fact that we live on this uh, this significant body of water to um, implement sustainable sustainable practices. So um, it's a really great designation, and we're just trying to spread the word about it. So this year we had our first ever zero waste festival. So it was third party certified um, by Suncoast Composting by Renewable. And they actually collected all of the waste from the festival and upcycled it into either compost or we also worked with Rosebud Continu Continuum and they upcycled it um, through anaerobic digestion. But the festival is all about celebrating our local waters and sustainability and it's got a ton of hands-on activities and, and education. Um, Florida, Marine, well, Florida Aquarium, Clearwater Marine Aquarium, Tarpon Springs Aquarium will all be there with hands-on activities, Zoo Tampa, Tampa Bay Watch and then lots of vendors, but we're trying to find the ones that are really doing sustainable practices and are going to kind of comply with our zero waste. <laughs> Perfect. So, so you're looking for people to get in touch with you, to talk to you about doing the zero waste yeah. event with you. How would they get in touch with you? And Tracy, we can't say uh, prices or right. fees, but where can people go if they want to be a vendor? So, um, it's uh, and it's very reasonable. They can go to bluegreenconnections.org, and right there on our homepage is um, information about the festival. So they can link to that, sign up for a booth. They can sign up to be a speaker or a presenter. Oh. Um, but yeah, we've got lots of great great activities uh, that they also were doing a, a trash cleanup on the water, like a fishing tournament, but for, for trash. 
We're doing an upcycling costume contest parade. Um, there's Tesla test driving and um, golf cart test driving and to eat, drink local. Just lots of fun, great things going on that yeah. I hope everybody wants to be a part of. That sounds wonderful. I think that's a great idea. And this is your second one? This is the second one that will be, fingers crossed, third party certified as a zero waste festival. Mm -hmm. And that means that they actually are collecting all the data. That in addition to upcycling everything, they're collecting all the data and verifying that we have upcycled over 90% of uh, the waste generated by the festival. And, and last so, year we actually did 97%. Oh, wow. That's fantastic. And so then in turn, you're showing other festivals of how to do it. And exactly. how that can be done. Be the example. That's sure. great, Tracy. Yes. When is the vendor deadline or cutoff? Um, so we we have filled up every time we've had this festival. So I will accept people until we fill up. Okay, very uh, good. And we're about three quarters of the way there right now. Um, and I just want to thank the city of Dunedin. The city of Dunedin is this is a partnership between Blue Green Connections and the city of Dunedin. So they. They are considered the home city for the Hope Spot because their government was the first one that, um, you know, wrote a resolution of support and uh, support for the Hope Spot. So we're having the festival here and shout out to them and our sponsor, Blue um, Snow Before. It's a great town. I, uh, I have a lot of people that live there. In fact, my brother lives there. It's a wonderful place to live. It is. It is so wonderful. And the community really comes together for all kinds of events. So. They do. Thank you, Tracy. Yeah, thanks for calling in. This was fantastic. Thank you, Thank you guys. org. if you missed it. Perfect. Thank you. Thank you. Have Bye-bye. a great day. You too. Yeah, Annie, I was thinking that I, I go to a festival or a, a fundraiser in Tampa in the spring, and every vendor has a throwaway plastic utensil and a styrofoam plate. It irritates me so bad. You know it does. Well, I mean, it irritates the environment. Well, absolutely. <laughs> but the thing is, is that what she's doing <clears throat> is showing us how it can be done. And she said 97%. That's amazing. And to me, that just seems like it could even become a requirement for festivals to do this because it's doable. You yeah. know what I mean? It's not like this hasn't been done before. It's showing you exactly the steps to take to manage it, and you can do the thing. I mean, I've been to places to different events where they gave you your fork and your napkin, and you gave it to them, and your glass, and you gave it to them at the end of the event, it gave it back to them, and, and it was no problem. I, I, you know, I don't see this as an issue uh, at all. Yep. Uh, so that's, I'm just thrilled that she's doing that. Have you heard about Blue Zones? Well, I didn't until she was talking about this. Well, a blue zone, there's like seven zones around the world where people live to a healthy 100. Oh, oh right, right. I have heard of that. Yeah, we talked yeah, about yeah. that many shows ago. Yeah. And um, I'm, I'm listening to a different audiobook about the blue zones, and they're saying that the real way to live to a healthy 100 is you have to be in a community or you have to surround yourself with people and businesses where you don't get you get literally 300 choices a day for food as of like right now. Uh But in these blue zones, you're limited to like 10 choices and all of them are healthy. You you don't get advertisement from fast foods. You don't get uh, pork chops available in the grocery store or fat or lard. You don't have that option. Well, in those some of those places, they probably have that, but those, those pigs are taken care of. Well, not for the blue zones. Exactly. Right, Right. So, if you don't have the option to use a plastic utensil you or a styrofoam fork, 
or plate, yeah. you, you can't use it. That, that's, why, that's why I do not understand why people buy or even accept. If someone offers me a plastic water bottle, I refuse it. And I don't even understand why people still use those. Because if we didn't use those, they wouldn't make them. And we would reduce an incredible amount of plastic waste in our environment. A huge amount. Mm-hmm. Huge amount. It's kind of like you're voting with your wallet. Exactly. You walk away from it. Now, That's exactly right. Now, why do we want to not use plastics in styrofoam? To save the animals. That's right. Especially so the birds. <laughs> and today's guest is Catherine Hammer. And we're going to be talking about, uh, we're going to talk about birds in Central Florida. Yeah, wild birds, wild specifically. Birds. Yeah. So, yeah, you want me to read up about uh, Catherine? Sure. We have a little bio on Catherine. And she's live in the she studio. She sure is, a lovely, red, curly, red-headed <laughs> person sitting right next to us. She's wonderful. Uh, a lot of good energy. Uh, well, Catherine Hammer, uh, she has a love of bird watching, and she's been feeding and, and been watching them for her whole life. It's her passion. And she has a master's degree in library science. She's cultivated a diverse career, uh, working on various settings, law firms, hospitals, and newspapers. And throughout her professional journey, uh, her deep-rooted enthusiasm for nature and science has remained unwavering. She embarked on her second career journey just over two years ago at Wild Birds Unlimited, a place she has frequented as a loyal customer for years. That's a great store. I got a bird feeder that closes itself off so the squirrels can't get in. Yeah, that's a great option for people who don't want to feed the squirrels, but they want to feed the birds. And, you know, it has a, I guess it has a lifetime guarantee. It does. Because it's not cheap, but it's not that bad. Mm -hmm. I mean, uh, and... Y'all fixed it for me. Yes. I brought it in, and they fixed it for me when it was not closing properly. Mm-hmm. So it's a really great store uh, to frequent. It's out in uh, North Tampa. Is there just one? We're in, we're in the Carrollwood area. Yeah. Uh, yeah, off of Del Mabry and Fletcher. Yeah, and one of those little but, subdivision or little uh, malls in Shopping there. center. But there. there's several birds in there. Too. Yeah, it's a nationwide and Canada, too. Oh. Um, Retail store. Yeah, yeah. A, a chain, mm-hmm. as it were. Yeah, they're independently owned, but... Y'all yeah. have a cat that lives in there. <laughs> we the do, too. Felix. It's the, it's the coolest. He's you walk sweet. in there, and he lives there like day and night. He's our CFO, he our really chief is. feline officer. He's really wonderful. <laughs> He's very friendly, too. So, uh, you know, I know there's a whole lot about this with birds, and, uh, the wild birds and stuff. So should we be feeding them? I mean, is that something we should be doing for them? Absolutely. Um, it um, is a beneficial for everyone. It's beneficial to the birds. It's beneficial to us because, as we all know, being in nature and noticing nature and um, is really good for our mental health and our well-being. Um, and then by feeding the birds, we're obviously supplementing what they can find in nature. But as nature gets torn down or, you know, messed up in other ways, um, there's not as much wild food as there used to be. So, you know, it's definitely helpful, especially this time of year when we have migrating birds coming through and they've made a long journey or maybe they still have more of a journey to go. So we're a stopping point for them to fill up and get their fat stores back up. I noticed that I had a red uh, bellied uh, woodpecker. Yeah. And totally freaked out because it's the most beautiful thing. Mm-hmm. And it went to my bird feeder. Mm-hmm. I was so excited. I, I, I couldn't even get a picture. Oh. And then it came back 
And so I was able to get a photograph of it. And it's, they're just, it's, stu- it's thrilling. It is. When it you is. see something that's so unusual, not mm-hmm. just, I mean, I like blue jays and I like uh, cardinals and, and doves and such, but those are the ones you see all the time. And when you see an unusual bird out there, it's, it is thrilling. Absolutely. You mentioned uh, about the migration. So uh, what are we looking for now uh, or how does that work? I mean, we have them at different times of the year, different birds, right? And, and Catherine, before you answer, let's uh, just remind listeners that this is the Sustainable Living Show. And if you've seen a rare bird or an exciting bird yes. that you want to share, you guys can give us a call at 813-239-9663. Or you can send us an email at dj at org. And I know every week people send us pictures so we can describe the exciting birds. I love that. And the wild animals you've seen. Yeah. And uh, we'll mention it on air. Yes, please do. All right, so Catherine, what... uh, yeah. What, have, what have you seen around? So um, I will first say that migration is a complicated uh, event. Yes. Um, and there's people who are definitely experts at describing really what migration, we'll the different types. We'll have them on next week. Yeah. The Audubon people so mine we'll is just, Yeah, they'll definitely next speak week. more to that. Uh-huh. But it's basically just, um, you know, birds moving to different places right. because of climate, because it gets cold. And so they go someplace warmer, generally. Um uh, but anyway, yeah, so right now we have, it's like kind of the peak, getting into the oh. peak migration for us here in the Tampa Bay area. So, um, you know, we have birds here year round. We have cardinals, Carolina wrens, um, chickadees, um, you know, the woodpeckers, the downy, the red bellied, but um, as well as other birds, sparrows and um, house finches. But um, uh, during migration time, we get new birds coming in, which may stay here for the whole season. Some of them, like I said earlier, can go on to other places. But um, exciting for me, a couple of days ago, I saw a Baltimore Oriole in my backyard, which they are, it was a male, so orange and black, very pretty. Striking. Um, yeah, very pretty. Um, and that's so exciting to see uh, in my own yard because up north, you know, they see them more, but down here, we don't get to see them. As often, um, catbirds are another really cool one. Um, they're a little elusive, but they um, were some of the earliest migratory birds that I saw in my yard. Um, but there's lots and lots of different birds that come through. Do we get indigo buntings here? Some people do. I've Those never seen are one. Amazing. Yeah, yeah, they're they're beautiful birds. I've never seen one in person, um, but I do know that they do come into the area. My parents yeah. had a lot of feeders. They were birders, actually. Mm-hmm. They would actually, they were birders. But they would have indigo buntings. It was in Alabama, and they came to their feeders, and they are brilliant blue. Mm. And it's just unbelievable when you see them. You're startled at yeah. their their uh, intense colors. It's yes. incredible. My, uh, we have master gardening friends who said, uh, you know, 10 years ago that they basically keep um, Birds Unlimited open because they spend so much, <laughs> because now that they're retired, they're spending so much. They told me how much a month. And uh, can you talk a little bit about, do we need to be feeding different species, different seed? Yeah, because she I was would, wondering about there, that. There are a couple and they were mentioning like, oh, this bird feeders for so-and-so, right. this bird feeders for so-and-so. And they actually had a mockingbird. Um, they named a cat something. Norman. They named their cat Norman. And they every night they would say, Norman, you know, blah, blah, blah. And then this mockingbird started coming down and eventually the mockingbird would land on their hand and take mealworms. Oh and then they would go for nighttime walks around the block and they would see the mockingbird go telephone post to telephone post following, following them. them. And then when they came home and they knew it was the same bird 
I don't know how long they live, but they said this mockingbird named Norman because it got confused that it wasn't the cat's name. Um, it lived there for like eight years and it would always like raise its baby. It was Norman was a girl, by the way, and she would always lay her eggs there and she would have her baby, yeah, have their babies there. But uh, in a master gardening presentation, they showed video and photos of this bird, this wild bird interacting with people. And that's so neat. Before the show, we were talking about how I worked at zoos and aquariums before. And people like tap on the glass or yell because they want the wildlife to interact with them. Which is the opposite mm. of which what is, you should which, do. Which, yeah. which we don't want to be encouraging. But yeah. I guess having the wild bird feeder, you're like really attracting them. Mm-hmm. I have birds in my neighborhood, uh, in my, well, actually in my yard because I have so many trees. And, you know, it's, it's a, a wildlife uh, friendly yard. And I have ones that have been there generations and generations and generations. Uh, and it's, it's so incredible. In fact, they go to the same areas to nest. So I know it's the same ones. So, and then I get to see them with their young and the fledgings on the ground and that, that whole thing. It's, it's remarkable. It's pretty amazing. I have a, a Eastern bluebird nesting box in my yard. Um, and they, it's the, the same pair comes back every year so far and they raise, you know, three I think last year was four broods. Um, but That's a lot. To get to see that is a beautiful and exciting thing. Yeah. And so, 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 Catherine, we we digress. What types of seeds for each species? Yeah, I'm jumping to the next subject. Should, should, should we be feeding? Um, so, just uh, like most animals, they have uh, particular diets. You no, know, each bird is a. Likes different things, um, but generally, they all love seed. Um, and the types of seed it depends on. Usually in Florida, it's it's going to be the same type of seed all year around. And we sell blends in the store that are formulated for our local birds. You know, we wouldn't carry oh, a good. blend that they would have up north because we have different birds here sure. than they do. Um, so, but certainly you can have lots of different feeders um, because, uh, you know, woodpeckers, we were talking about earlier, they really love suet. Most birds love suet. Oh. But so there's particular feeders that hold suet that are geared for woodpeckers, the way that they like to eat and how they position their bodies at the feeder. It's designed for that. Other birds will eat there too. Um, so it's not exclusively for woodpeckers. Then we have a bluebird feeder. I have one as well at my house for live mealworms. And it has holes in the side so that other birds can't get in to eat all the live mealworms. It's just for the bluebirds because the bluebirds learn how to get into the feeder through the holes. But I have a Carolina wren that has learned how to get in through the holes, which I don't mind. You know, they're both adorable. (laughs) So, I mean, there's definitely specific um, feeders for specific foods. Um, But, you know, most birds love sunflower seeds, peanuts, tree nuts, safflower, although some... Some birds don't like safflower, but the little songbirds all love it. I was reading uh, that, you know, some of the cheaper blends have the sorghum, uh, whereas millet is the more um, uh, desired uh, seed from the from the blends like that. And I only know that there's sorghum in them because they grow. Mm-hmm. And I, I, <laughs> and you see you the know, plant. I, I deed the plant. Mm-hmm. And so I knew that that's what it was. So, But I didn't realize that that is just it's sort of a filler food that they don't really care for. Yeah, and actually in, in Florida, millet, or at least on our part of Florida, 
Millet's um, a bit of a filler as well. There's not many birds here that like it. Okay. Um, you know, the buntings do, but we don't have a lot of buntings. Oh. Um, so, I mean, you can get millet in the store, but our blends don't have it because it, most of it would end up on the ground. That's interesting because I was thinking about growing some of them, uh, you know, because it's easy to grow. But uh, that is something that we can do also, can't we? Absolutely. Can't we grow things? Uh, Absolutely. Native plants is a great... Um, it not only is great for the environment, but um, it'll also attract birds to your yard, you know, because there's lots of native plants that have berries or nuts, elderberry, um, beautyberry, um, the native um, firebush, um, all of those um, attract birds to your yard. Yeah. I noticed, too, that the uh, like Coreopsis and the Black Eyed mm-hmm. Susans and all those type of things, but a lot of people don't think that through and they uh, pick them before they turn to seed mm-hmm. because when they start looking bad, they don't want that look in their garden. Mm-hmm. So isn't that something that people need to think about? Absolutely. Yeah. And it's, it's important to let your um, garden winter naturally rather than raking up and cleaning up everything, you know, because those um, quote unquote dead plants have seeds, which can be food for wildlife. And also, um, you know, the, the, the died back part of the plant can be a home for bees and other insects that need a place to hide from the cold. Yeah. And also, I mean, the, even the, to the point of the leaves are where a lot of the uh, pupa of the, uh, the chrysalis for the different butterflies and uh, moths and, and bees yeah. are going to be uh, in that ground. So, yeah, we don't need to be nice and neat like we think we are. Yeah. All right, so let's uh, remind everyone that this is the Sustainable Living Show coming to you from the studios of WMF in Tampa. Today we are talking about wild birds. If you want to be part of the conversation, give us a call at 813-239-9663 or you can send us an email at dj at wmnf.org and we will read it on air. And uh, we have a couple of calls and several emails. The first person we'll take is Greg from Tampa. Hello, Greg. Hi, Greg. Hey, uh, hey, y'all! Uh, it's Greg Tucker down in Tampa today. Um, I just want to say I, I love listening to your show every time I'm down in Tampa. So um, I wanted to share a little bird story. Okay. Hey. Yeah. So, uh, so I come when I come down here, and I'm I'm I'm, I'm a dri- I'm, I drive for a living. So when I come down here, uh, I always stay with a lady friend, and she's got a bit of uh, she's got a bit of property with with some water, and I always see just beautiful birds, beautiful birds. But I, I went down to the Wind Dixie, and there was this one day I was just going down, like you know, going to look for 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 a sandwich or something, and uh, and there was a wood stork. I, ne- I never. Oh my God, they're huge, aren't they? They're real big. I yeah. didn't even know what they what these what these things were. <laughs> I, had to, I had to take a picture and like you know do a Google lens right. for them or whatever. But uh, but so I'm 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 sitting there looking at it, and there's two of them, and there's one that. She, and she's just like it's clearly the female. The, the female is the male's bigger, and she's just letting him have it. She's just yelling at him, <laughs> and she's like doing this stuff. I took a video of it; it's so good. And but she's just like, ah, ah, like, like you got us lost. Uh, I don't know where we are. Like we can't, we can't. Yeah, get where's my food? <laughs> right. And so, uh, and I, I had to, I had to show my lady friend that, and she's like, she's like, we see them, we see them all the time. Yeah, we see them all the time. It's like I just, I'm just not here enough to right. See. It looks yeah, my, prehistoric, my, doesn't it? When you see something that large out of context like that. Yeah, I didn't know. I didn't know what this thing was. Yeah. Um, so my question, my question is. Uh, so I heard, I heard y'all talking about um, millet and growing that stuff, and I, 
you know, I, I, I want to encourage uh, my lady friend to like, you know, I, I always talk about permaculture because that's a big, big thing for me. Like, I, I believe wholeheartedly in, in permaculture and good for you. Yeah, and so that's that's, my, that's what my property is. But I always tell her like, hey, you know, you know, you can you can do a little bit more. Like, just let it go, let it let it grow, let it grow. And um, so I, I I just I was interested about your com your uh, comment about millet, and you said that's the, that's like a filler grain. So that's almost like what we would say like rice or bread. You know, for us is like millet for for the birds. Like that's that's what they kind of. How they kind of uh, see it. So go ahead. Well, it's it's not exactly like a filler like we would think in concept of like bread for us. It's more of like okay. the birds that live here most of the year um, don't prefer it. So yeah, um, or they just choice. don't eat it. They just don't. They just won't eat it. So it's like yeah, filler so- in that it just fills up the bag of seed with to make it full, but not like oh. not like they're going to fill up on it and it's bad for them. It's just oh, that okay. most of the birds here don't like it. Well, so, what, so what I want to know is just, just from a permaculture standpoint, because I always think that you got you to grow where you where, where you go, you know? And um, so I was just wondering, like, what, how do I talk to my lady friend about, like, what she could grow on her property that would, like, you because know, she, she loves watching the birds. She loves, I mean, she's seen more cardinals than I ever did. Uh, back home, like, I'm supposed to see cardinals where I'm from. Yeah, um, I would definitely but, recommend if um, y'all want to take a little day trip to a native nursery. There's several around in the area, a little red wagon in South Tampa. There's yeah, one over great. in Largo, Wilcox's. They're all over. They're all over. They're yeah. popping up more and more, which is great. Um, and just take note of like the shade and sun and your yard and what kind of space um, that she has and then go and talk to them and, and tell them, you know, you want to attract birds, you want to plant native, you have this kind of sun um, and this kind of soil and they'll definitely guide you in the right direction because there's lots of choices out there and um, and the people who work there will find the right thing for you. And then the one thing that you had mentioned earlier to reiterate is that you let them go to seed mm-hmm. on the plant. You don't touch it. You let it die in the winter and keep it and dead just, in the mm-hmm. winter so they can use that. They can eat uh, off uh, that. They can use it for their nesting. Mm-hmm. There's lots of stuff like that, but you need to keep it wild. But I was just looking up, and you can actually just go online and look up native plants for birds in Florida, mm-hmm. and there's like a bazillion yeah. So, but those native places will have them for absolutely. Sure. Thank, yeah. thank you, Greg, for calling in. Yeah. And thanks a lot for the story. Y'all, y'all gave me something to do. Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> Happy to help. Can I throw in one other little tidbit of sure. information? Because he talked about not being able to identify the bird. There's a really great free app from Cornell called Merlin, M-E-R-L-I-N. Um, and it's a bird ID app. Um, you can upload a picture that you take of a bird and it'll usually identify it for you. You can walk through steps if you're looking at it right now. Oh, I'm looking at my feeder. It's a red bird. It's this big. It'll give you a list of birds. You can just type in a bird and read about them. And the coolest thing for me, at least, is a sound ID. So when I'm sitting oh, outside, I yeah. can press sound sound record or sound ID and it'll listen live and, and identify the birds that it's hearing. So that's, that's just, I mean, I can spend hours doing that. I'm sure. It's, it's really fun. Bird songs are just the best, mm-hmm. aren't they? So we have several more callers Fantastic. and a lot more emails. But before we move on, uh, Catherine, can you tell us, just a little bit about those wood storks. Do they stay here year round? You know, I actually don't know much about wood storks. I'd have to look it up on Merlin, actually. Because I think they're not they're, eating bird seed. Yeah, because they're wa- like wading water shorebirds. Yeah, they're so water they're not, birds. They're they not, fish yeah. And stuff, they don't, don't they? I mean, they're beautiful, but I'm not really sure. I mean, I would imagine fish, yeah. <laughs> I go I mean, on like Bruce Speed Downs, pretty north Tampa, 
And I think year round, I see like 20. Mm. They're all in the trees right above a water it's area. It's so strange to see that many at one time because they're so big. Mm-hmm. All right. The next uh, caller we're going to take is Trudy all the way in Riverview. Hello, Trudy. Hi. Thank you for taking my question. Sure. What What's is your, it? Yeah. I could use a tip on feeding live mealworms to my bluebirds because no matter how I present the live mealworms, the mockingbirds get their first and gobble them all up, and the bluebirds barely even get one. Is there a, a yeah. feeder that would help me? Absolutely. Um, yeah, I hear you 100%. And mockingbirds can be really territorial, so they will definitely chase away the other birds They'll to get chase to the good away. stuff. Yeah. Norman, the mockingbird, loves live mealworms. <laughs> yeah, who doesn't? Right. <laughs> um, but yeah, there are specialty feeders for bluebirds. Um, they have holes um, in the sides, and basically once your bluebird finds the feeder um, and knows what's going to be in there, you put the panel, uh, well, you take the panel off until they find it, and then you put the panel back on and they figure out just to go through the hole, which is only big enough for a bluebird. It would be too small for a mockingbird to go in. Um, I do have a Carolina wren that's learned how to use mine, but I don't mind because they don't chase off the bluebirds. They kind of share the feeder. So it's pretty cute. Is there a certain name of it or a place that carries it or anything? Well, just so happens they have a store. Yeah, we we do have them, um, uh, Wild Birds Unlimited and Carolwood. Um, And we also have an online store. Is it um, called a Bluebird Feeder? And it's called a Bluebird Feeder, (laughs) exactly. (laughs) They make it simple. Exactly. (laughs) You know, Um, that's funny. Yeah. So, and you can go online to our store too to order. I heard you're in Riverview. So if you're not making the trip up here to Tampa, um, it's mywbu.com slash Tampa. My, say that again. My, my com okay. slash oh. Tampa. Wild Birds Unlimited. Yeah. Thank you, Trudy. Thanks Thanks for the call. Thanks for calling. You know, I just looked up uh, about the wood storks, and it's funny they uh, they live up in in the Carolinas and in Georgia, but they they summer in Florida. So they all come down here in Florida. That's why we see more in the winter here. And they do eat the, the fish uh, types. They eat fish, frogs, crayfish, uh, large insects, and occasionally small alligators and mice. Wow. Which I did see one eat a small alligator recently. Uh, on Somebody posted it online. Wow. It was wild. All right, very good. The next uh, caller we have is Michael and St. Pete. Hey, Michael. <laughs> Hi, how are you? Great. What you got for us today? Um, let's see. You, you've, you've named um, two other nu- native nurseries, and I like to mention my nursery, Twigs and Leaves. Oh, yeah. I've been for over 20 years, and I'm located in the Art Warehouse District. And I'm, and, um, the Warehouse District my, district of what? St. Pete. The Art Warehouse District. Oh, okay. Great. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, anyway, yeah, I've noticed a lot of more birds and stuff using using native plants and it seems like bird feeding and stuff if you aren't um if you aren't being reliable aren't you affecting the population of birds if you aren't refilling your feeders and stuff so it's a it's a detrimental thing for the for the bird? Not necessarily um, because it is a supplement to what they can find naturally. Um, so it certainly helps them. Um, but, you know, if you go out of town or you haven't gotten to the store to get more seed, it's not going to be 
terrible for the birds and they, they don't come to rely on it necessarily. I mean, they know that it's going to be there. And so then they feel mm-hmm. that they can return to your yard. But if you don't have it out or you move or whatever, I mean, they'll find other places to get food. Right. Yeah. It seems like the wild coffees right now mm-hmm. are really, uh, really popular with the mockingbird. Yeah. That's a great one. Yeah. That's a beautiful plant too. Yes. Yeah, fragrant flower and everything. One of the few that does well in shade too. So that's a yeah. nice thing to have. And it's an edible, too. Yeah. Trees and stuff, so it's a good one. Well, thank you for calling and letting us know about yes, your place. You. So it's called yeah. Leaves and Twigs, and it's in no, St. Pete. It's called Twigs and Leaves. Twigs and Leaves. Okay, Twigs I got it backwards. I've been here for about 20 years now. Okay. And I've never been on your show. For well, I just wrote your, na- your information <laughs> down, so I'm going to give you a call. Yeah, that'd be awesome. Okay. Thank, Thank you. you. That, see, that is something I actually wrote in the script today for us to announce that <laughs> towards the end was like, if you got, this is your show. This is absolutely your show. And if you, uh, anybody out there has an idea for a show or a guest that you think would work well, please get in touch with us because we are very interested in, in uh, you know, finding out more stuff. I mean, that's what it's all about. Kenny and I work really hard to get people on here and you know it's not always easy and it takes a lot of work so if you help us it helps you too so thank you for bringing that up all right so we got several emails i'm gonna super rapidly go through them um at the beginning of the show we were talking about sustainable and zero waste events yes so we did get a couple of emails about that rose says she lived in germany for 20 years they had street festivals all year round beer gardens wine festivals christmas festivals etc almost all beverages are served in glass Yay. And it makes the wine and the beer taste better. Mm-hmm. And then you get charged a tiny deposit, and then you get a chip. And when you bring back your glass, you get the deposit back. This works really well and reduces all that plastic. Why can't we get it together? That's a great mm-hmm. idea. I had not thought about that because they figure in the waste, the loss factor. But if we did have to make a little deposit, mm-hmm. then that would work. That would solve that problem. Well, Very good. Germany figured it out 20 years ago. Well, they're efficient. <laughs> Mike in St. Pete says, I have a date every morning with a local thrasher for peanuts. Oh, that's so (laughs) sweet. Charles in Tampa says, of course, if we all stopped drinking bottled water overnight, they would stop making it. But that's actually looking at the situation in reverse. We buy bottled water because the industry created demand for it, not because consumers wanted it. Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they called me up way long ago on the phone. This and, person? Uh, not that person. Oh, okay. But uh, in general, when they were asking, they were taking a poll, right? And so they, they called up and, and asked, this is before bottled water, y'all. And they asked me if I would pay for water if it was bottled. And I said, certainly not. Because in fact, I've been Did you use waste. some explicitives? No, I did not. <laughs> I was kind to them. But I didn't even, I still don't understand why that is even happening. Because I have containers that I filter my water well, I think and I some put it people, in containers and then I take them with me when I leave. I think some people think that water in a plastic bottle is more clean or more 
Mostly it's just filtered water. And even though it says spring water, that actually doesn't mean anything. No, that means- most of them are just filtered uh, tap, yeah. seriously. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was reading a whole thing. They had a big article in the uh, newspaper, yes, it's Sunday paper, about fancy bottled water. And uh, in India, this particular guy is uh, is getting this water. He bought this land that has these springs that that feeds the water. And what happened is, is that the villages had been using this water for ever. Mm-hmm. And they had little tubes, uh, bamboo tubes, that they would collect their water from it. And now that's completely behind um, locked doors. And they are, uh, people are, they're not getting water. And it's our, you know, it's our right uh, internationally to be able to get clean water. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's, it's really happening. That's it for there, me. All right. <laughs> Robin Z writes, here's a picture of the first visit from a blue-gray uh, gnat catcher. Look how cute Very that is. hard to capture. They never stay so still. And here's they have a blue pic- feet. They're very cute and very tiny. And then there's another. Well, no, what Annie, what you're looking at is a tufted titmouse. Oh, okay. And they are a family of four that uh, carouse around MySpace daily. And I enjoyed the show. Thank Your you. Blue feet are Robin adorable. Z. Yes. Thank you for showing us those pictures. Yeah. That's wonderful. I never get tired at looking, uh, looking <laughs> at people's bird true? pictures. We have people come in all the time, and I'm like, no, show me. Yeah. I want to see. It's like, Tell here's me. my grandchildren. No, show me your birds. I do want to see your birds. <laughs> That's fantastic. Corinne says, I'm an official bird nerd. I ride my bicycle from a coffee pot to an island with binoculars. I love seeing the hawks and eagles. Do you know when the white pelicans are coming? Um, I have seen them previously in Sarasota in the spring. Um, But I feel like I saw in one of my bird groups online that that somebody has spotted them. So I haven't seen them yet this year. but I believe they winter here, um, and then they leave in April-ish, I think. So now's the time. Yeah, so I would go near some water and plop down and see what you see. I never thought about it is that we're having white pelicans, because we have the brown ones here mm-hmm. all the time, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, but the white pelicans I've never seen those. If yeah, you go beautiful. to the Seabird Sanctuary, they have maybe resident white pelicans in the rehab areas, yeah, yeah. and you can see them. Have you seen their latest uh, spoon bowl, meatball? Is his name? They have a spoon bill that's called Meatball. Mm-hmm. He has his own Instagram. It's adorable. Oh, that's so funny. Yeah, so the white pelican, uh, they are all the way up in Canada and the northwestern United States, and they come down here to winter. I guess everybody comes down here to winter. <laughs> Mike, snowbirds. Mike and St. Yeah, Pete. Exactly. <laughs> Mike asks, does Screech Owl Boxes keep the other cool birds at bay? And I'll just add that I do notice that sometimes when you have a bird feeder, and you got those cute little morning doves. Uh, Every once in a while, you get a hawk right. also visit the bird That's feeder. That's right. Mm-hmm. Well, so it's a circle do, of life. Do owls keep other song, not other, but songbirds away? So they're worried that if they, the question is, if they get a screech owl box, will it scare away the other birds? No, I don't think so. I mean, there's definitely uh, places that you want to put the box for the owl to have a good home and for make it appealing for the owl. Um, but, I mean, they'll find a place to nest regardless. So, I mean, and screech owls are great. So, yeah, I wouldn't be worried about them hunting your, your little birds at your bird feeder. Um, you know, and if they do, like you said, it's the circle of life. Right. So. I mean, it's, it's the way it works. One time I was in my backyard and uh, there was... Everybody wanted to see my backyard, and my friend came over with her mother, and she's, and it was in the evening, and so I had all these lights back there. So I turned the lights on, and it was like a National Geographic moment. I looked over to my left, and there was a big mama possum, and one of the baby possums fell off 
her back, and right over my right shoulder, this giant whoosh, and it was a huge owl, and it got that little baby uh, before it hit the ground. Wow. I mean, you know, it was kind of frightening and exhilarating at the same time, Mm -hmm. Uh, but, you know, once that baby falls off, it's game. Because mm-hmm. she's not going back for it, mm-hmm. that's for sure. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, yeah, circle of life. It's so, nice. Speaking of the circle of life and yes. how humans are involved, a study published in September of 2019 in the journal Science found that the population of breeding birds in the U.S. and Canada has dropped by nearly 30% or 3 billion birds that's terrible. since 1970. So, mm-hmm. Catherine, what's going on? Yeah. Um, I mean, it's some of the things we've already talked about, the, um, their habitats getting destroyed, pollution, certainly a big problem, which people don't always realize are cats. Um, you know, oh, if I'm you glad you brought that up. Keep your cats inside. If you have feral cats, if you can do the trap to get them spayed and neutered um, at, the, at the Humane Society, um, and if you can get your hands on them, you can put a collar on with a bell. That can help if you do have the feral cats in your neighborhood. But yeah, absolutely. Um, all these things uh, impact the songbirds. Windows is a big thing, um, especially high rises. There's movements around the country to make windows safer on high rises, especially for these big migrating flocks that come through. I mean, the massive, massive die-offs from them It's amazing. I was buildings. very surprised about that, but that's a that's a real thing that people are doing now uh, to try to get that done, like you said, on the mm-hmm. high-rises. Mm-hmm. And you can do it on your home, too, sure. which is important. Um, it's a terrible sound, um, if you've ever heard it. Yeah. Um, and it's super sad. Uh, some birds can get up and recover from it, but oftentimes it's deadly. So you can do decals on your windows. You can, um, there's a spray you can put on. We have all that stuff in the store. What's and the also, spray? It's a, it, because uh, birds have different vision than we do. Oh, so. it has something that in there that connects to their vision mm-hmm, so they yeah. can see it. Yeah, oh. and same with the decals. So um, they kind of look clear to us. We have some that actually real pretty like stained glass, so we can see those. Um, but to the birds, they like really pop, um, you know, with their different receptors, I So suppose. there are, are some that would be clear to us that we mm, could put on. That would be yeah. kind of what I would want to see. I wouldn't want to put a bunch, bunch of stuff, stuff on yeah. my on Most my of them don't, are pretty unobtrusive and somewhat okay. pretty much clear. Um, but, and also keeping your feeders uh, far enough away from the window so that way if they get startled by a hawk or something or a sound or a dog barking, they don't fly it right into the window so they have enough time to veer away, you know, usually about... Uh, 10 feet, either have it real close to your window like a window feeder Mm -hmm. so that they're leaving the window or 10 feet away. 10 feet, okay. Mm -hmm. Mine's a little closer than that. I'll have to move it. We got another email from David Bryant who has recommended guests in the past and we took him up on that offer. Yes, he was great. He says, I went for a walk on the Withalacoochee State Trail in Ridge Manor and noticed that there's a series of wooden boxes or sorry, wooden bird nests on poles along the trail. I was wondering if your guests might know who, why those are there or who they're for. The entry holes are small, so they must be for small songbirds. Or bats. I'm going to, um, bats would be on trees or high, pretty high up bat boxes. I'm going to guess that these are bluebird boxes. Um, the population, so they are cavity nesters. Um, which means, you know, in old trees that have holes in them or maybe where a woodpecker has already um, 
had a nest, you know, where they hollowed out the uh, limb or part of the uh, tree trunk and then don't use it anymore. The bluebirds are cavity nesters, so they would go in and use that. But as trees have gotten torn down, especially dead and dying trees, you know, everybody gets rid of them right away. Mm -hmm. They've lost their habitat to build nests and breed. So it's been a big movement um, in the country to um, put bluebird houses up. And um, there's several trails in the area that are bluebird trails. Um, and that sounds like what that is. And, and the population of bluebirds has, has bounced back oh, that's a good, good bit. I don't know the numbers, but um, yeah, it's, you know, it's successful. Interesting that you just said that about uh, how, you know, we're taking out all the trees and everything. People are so paranoid about any kind of a dead branch mm-hmm. in their yard. They're just so over... Uh, saturated with hurricane uh, scare tactics mm-hmm. that, you know, there's a what they call a snag, and it would be an actual lo- big limb that would be hard because it's been dead for a very long time, and it's not going anywhere, and it's still attached to the tree. And those things are great to keep because, like you just said, the woodpeckers will dig, dig a hole in it, and then the next bird will take it, and the next animal. So they, they share all these little areas. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. So. Yeah. If you can at all leave it, your your dead or dying tree or limbs, if you can leave it without it being a danger to, you know, you. Right. The danger factor. <laughs> yeah. Then without absolutely leave it. A panic factor. Yeah. Because people just go overboard. Yeah. I went to Lettuce Lake last week with a friend nice. and uh, the visitor center has a really nice area that's from the Florida Native Plant Society and the Tampa Bay Audubon. And it's inside the visitor center, so you line up your chairs, and then there's maybe 15, 20 bird feeders. Mm-hmm. And my, we saw maybe 20 different species of oh, birds. Oh, wow. And there was some morning doves, and my friend says, I just cannot get excited by these. And I told her, <laughs> look at their, they have the cutest Thank little you. head. They have tiny little heads, tiny little beaks. They're sweet. And um, so, Catherine, what do you think about morning doves? Aren't they adorable? I think they're very <laughs> cute. A lot of people find them to be a nuisance bird because they park themselves <laughs> In the feeder or on top of the feeder. Or, a lot of and, poop, too. And they, and they just will eat and eat and eat and eat and eat. Um, but I think they're adorable and I don't mind them. So, um, But if you do, I mean, we sell different things that you can get if you want to deter those larger birds like the doves and grackles. All right. So um, <laughs> that was quite a face for the grackle. Well, because uh, well, this is uh, so you know how there's d- different names for groups of animals, like a flamboyance of flamingos, right? Grackles. I'm not joking. It's an annoyance of grackles, and <laughs> that, I can that's, testify. That's, I know why. <laughs> oh, that's so funny. They made that reason. Oh, that's so, so funny. So this might be the most important part of the entire show, and we're oh my goodness, I'm ready. We're keeping it for the end. I um, have one more question though. Too. There's been people. Every country's had to uh, euthanize, call literally like 120 or even more, 120 million chickens because of avian flu. Oh, yes. So what's the current advice and information on the avian flu that's spread and transmitted by wild birds and they can pick it up and, of course, they're dying at mass numbers. So we're we're encouraging listeners to add food and then you have 20 birds visiting one bird feeder and uh, Annie just mentioned they're pooping everywhere. Yeah. What do we do? So absolutely keep your feeders clean. Um, so uh, now that it's getting to be nicer weather, you know, you can go to like once a month cleaning. But in the hot 
humid times where we're getting storms every day, you know, that's a breeding ground for bacteria and bad things for that will make birds sick. Um, so, you know, during the hotter months, clean them more frequently, keep your seed fresh. If you notice your seed is growing anything, absolutely toss it and put some oh, fresh okay. seed in there. Um, although bugs, you know, the birds love bugs. So you don't have people get freaked out when there's bugs in there seed or in their feeders. I'm like, oh no, they love that. That's like dessert more. Yeah, that's perfect. Yeah. Um, as long as you, you know, you don't want them in your house, but um, right. that's fine in your feeders. Um, so keep your feeders clean. If you notice any sick or um, dead birds, God forbid, um, absolutely bring your feeders in, get them a good cl- disinfection, clean and report it to the Florida Fish and Wildlife. Yeah. Um, last I checked, there weren't a lot of um, avian flu cases in our area. So it's not as big of a deal here locally, but absolutely. I mean, just that's just a good practice in general is keep your feeders and your bird baths clean. And, and How you do you clean poop. it? Um, so you can use dish soap, hot water dish just soap. Just scrub and it then, in the inside and so on? Yeah, so I take mine apart and I have a big bucket and I let them soak for a oh. little bit and then I scrub them with some brushes and then let them air dry. And, and then um, I will also do a bleach solution at the end um, to uh, disinfect to one part bleach to 10 10 parts water. Um, And I see that did you want to ask me about that bird? Yes. Oh, yeah. I, I don't want to. I don't want to say the first word because there's two different ways to pronounce it. Catherine, how do you pronounce you it? You can pronounce it either way, okay. but I say pileated. Okay. Um, so uh, they're so gorgeous. I we love had them. one in my parents' backyard that was gigantic. I Tammy and beautiful. Tammy in Dunedin. She just sent us two pictures of a pileated or pileated. Uh, beautiful woodpecker. They're so big and they're just stunning. And they don't normally come to feeders, but they will occasionally. I've had a, a pair in our neighborhood that come to my suet feeder. The suet, um, that's interesting mm-hmm. because yeah, I had not even thought about suet here. I don't know why, but I was always thinking about that up north where it's mm-hmm. really cold and so on. Mm-hmm. But I've never thought about it for the suet, but I'd love to get more of those type of birds yes, close by. Absolutely. Adding suet to your uh, bird feeders is a great way to increase the variety of birds that you'll get in your yard. Um, and all of our suet is no melt. That's when you, when you mentioned up north. Um, it's a lot, it's, uh, the formula is a little different for the oh, colder months, makes sense. Um, but it would absolutely melt here. So this, sure. this, I mean, year round probably. So right. we always just sell no melt suet. So it is possible to feed now, here. The one thing I did want to touch base with is that, you know, we're planting all these natives and that sort of thing. And I wanted to talk about the importance of not using pesticides. Mm, absolutely. Yeah. And that's a really key, um, step in saving the songbirds is uh, cutting back on pesticide usage. Not only does it get washed into the water, um, which is obviously bad for all the animals, um, but, you know, for instance, if you're going to, if you have pests in your yard that you want to poison, well, those pests are someone's food. That's right. Um, And then that poisons that bird. Um, I know that the rescue organizations locally get that all the time with the birds of prey. They'll come in poisoned, paralyzed. I mean, it's, it's, it's terrible. And like, you know, it's just not, there are humane ways to take care of rats or whatever. You know, there's other ways to do, you know, grow native plants. So you don't have to spray your yard every day or every week, you know, and then humane traps or whatever for the quote unquote pests. I don't spray anything at all, ever. And I don't use any chemical fertilizers ever. And, and the thing is, is that you don't really have to, uh, because what happens is, is that you interrupt that circle mm-hmm. and you kill all the predatory uh, insects. So, you know, they're not going to take care of the uh, pest insects that you want gone because yeah. they're gone. Yep. But there was something that I really wanted to throw people to, to make people know the, the neoconites, what is it, neo 
neocotinoids, uh, neocotinoids, uh, those are the things that are systemic. And you'll see a little uh, a tag, and they usually hide it in those plants. And what that is is they've been treated internally. Mm-hmm. And so what happens is, is when an insect bites that, they are infected with that pesticide, which then the, kills them or makes them very sick. And then the birds then eat that and make them very sick. Mm-hmm. So make sure whenever you are buying uh, just regular plants, not natives, any plants that you don't, that you make sure it does not have that in it because it's crucial. Absolutely. Sorry, I had to. Just throw that out there. It's very important. We're going to bring in a soapbox next uh, week for Annie. And I'm going to get on it and <laughs> preach. Preach right. truth. Catherine, we got a couple more questions and you got three minutes. So this is another speed round. <laughs> what do you do? What does someone do if they find a baby bird on yes. the ground? Um, don't touch it. <laughs> um, you can call um, some of the, the rescue organizations that we mentioned before um, that are in the area um, and ask them for advice. Usually you send them a picture and then they'll tell you what to do. But, you know, you, sometimes it's a fledgling and it's fine. It's, that's their process. That's what they're supposed to do. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Their little wings grow <laughs> so fast in two weeks. It's unbelievable. Yeah. Are there any local organizations for listeners to volunteer or learn more about wild Absol- birds. Absolutely. Um, Tampa Audubon Society is a great organization. They meet monthly and have educational talks, but then they also do volunteer work, like you mentioned, at Lettuce Lake. Um, if you have any young children who are really into birding, there's the Florida Young Birders Club. Oh. Who is, it's run by one of my favorite people, um, and it's a great, great... Uh, they do field trips. They do online chats. It's so great for because there's definitely children who are very passionate about birds, which is awesome. That is awesome. I uh, went to Lettuce Lake maybe many years ago with the Tampa Audubon Society, and they gave everyone like a free binocular for like the two-hour, you know, expedition. And I was in zoos and aquariums for like 10 years, so I thought I knew birds, and I was able to identify like all the birds that I could see. But then the Tampa Audubon Society says, oh, do you see this one? Oh, look over here. Oh, do you see this one? And it was maybe double what I thought was there. So you, they incredible. just opened your eyes to yes. be able to see They're like, oh, look shapes. over there. Here's a hummingbird. Here's this. Da, da, da. Oh, wow. That's it, so It was a great experience. And it was so great. I haven't been back in seven years. <laughs> <laughs> you learned them all that day. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, thank you so much, Catherine. Yes, Where can you. listeners go to learn more about wild birds in Florida? Um, I would absolutely look at the Florida Audubon. Um, they have a Facebook page, but also a website. Um, Cornell is... Uh, obviously not just for Florida, but um, Cornell uh, School of Ornithology is a great resource. They have the app that I spoke about earlier, but also the website allaboutbirds.org. And then, of course, um, Save the Songbirds um, is, a, is a great resource as well. So, And you can also go down there to uh, the store that she works at. Yes, Wild Birds Unlimited. And where's the address? Um, it's at the intersection of North Delmavery and Fletcher. It's in, um, in the shopping center with Marlowe's and Walgreens Publix. They're very nice people there. And my favorite Thai restaurant, Jasmine Thai. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I forgot about that one. All right. Stay tuned. In the next hour, you will hear WMNF Community Speaks with Mabili. Make sure to tune in next Monday morning at 11 for the next Sustainable Living show. We are going to be continuing our wild bird conversation <laughs> with the Tampa Audubon Society about the Christmas bird count. I'm so excited yes. to hear about it. Follow you. our Facebook page, Sustainable Living WMNF, to stay in the loop. We have so many events there. You will fill up your calendar. Yes. With, with all those so events. So much to do. 
And to listen to our past shows, just go to Listen On Demand on WMNF.org. I'm Kenny Coogan. And I'm Annie Ellis. Remember, if you're looking for someone to save the world, look in the mirror. Bye-bye. Bye. This is WMNF Tampa.